1: sends the beast with wrath because he knows the time is short let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast for it is a human number its number is
2: And welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Zave, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have won if you were here with us Saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy you've chosen to join us, and you're sure to get a nice dose of nostalgia and a few laughs along the way. So, let's start the show. This episode promises to be a little metal this week. Yes, metal is a verb. I write this episode uh, with a little something for everyone, but if you like heavy metal, then this is the episode you'll especially like. Especially like. You'll want to stick around for the cliffhanger question as well this week. Uh, The topic is on car parts. It may not sound like much fun to you, to some of you at least, but you'll have to trust me that this is the most Gen X car park question you'll get asked all day. I guarantee it. We're going to rock out a little with the material we cover with these two friends of over 30 years. Our contestants today are Darren.
1: Zave, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: Pleasure is mine, buddy. And Bill. Hello, Jason. So first of all, I know that this
3: part's supposed to be short, but I'm calling shenanigans uh, right up front here. Uh, I'm not saying that Darren is going to beat me, but I, I, I figured something out this morning, and I want to get it right up, out in the open here. So we were supposed to record this last weekend. Uh, it happens to be March 14th when we're recording this now. And Darren conveniently came down with side effects from his coronavirus uh, vaccine, and we had to postpone it a week. And I didn't really understand why, other than he didn't feel well, but I thought, okay, well, he doesn't feel well, he can't do it. But it came to me this morning that since high school, Darren had basically turned into a pumpkin at about 10 p.m. local time, wherever he is. And he's in Chicago, so he's two hours ahead of me right now. It's seven o'clock here. Well, last weekend, 10 o'clock was 10 o'clock. Here, uh, this weekend, 10 o'clock is actually nine o'clock since we moved the clocks forward here. So he has really about an extra hour of non pumpkinness here in him. Uh, so if he wins, I want a Roger Maris style asterisk associated with this particular episode <laughs> because of the fact that he pulled those shenanigans. I just want to say that I'm going to crush Darren like Dave Henderson crushed my childhood hopes and dreams and then later life itself. So
1: Oh, Donnie Moore reference that one's that's a tough one. Yeah. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't
3: I didn't mention Donnie out of respect for the dead, but oh, okay. I it was very it was a sad day and I still haven't really gotten over it. And that, right. was 35, that was 35 years ago.
1: Yes. Do I have 90 seconds to, to re, uh, rebut?
2: You have 90 seconds,
1: sir. Okay. I was definitely uh, not feeling well and asleep by 8.30 once we canceled it. That was number one. Yes. And I did think very convenient uh, time change. Now, as far as uh, the Donnie Moore, Dave Henderson reference, where my Gen X qualities come in, I'm going to throw it back to many, many hours that Bill and I spent uh, while we should have been doing homework and studying. But no, we were watching game shows. So I'm just going to say I'm the Bob Barker to Bill's Drew Carey. (laughs) I'm going to be the Dick Clark to Michael Strahan. I'm going to be the Peter Tamarkin to his Elizabeth Banks. And of course, Bill, you know what the last one is going to be. I am the David Ruprecht to your Wesley Jones.
3: Oh, that's low. Yeah, that's very low. Thank you. Although respect. I don't own any sweaters like David Ruprecht. So I guess (laughs) I I guess I'll take that one. Well, anyways, I'm demanding an asterisk if I lose. That being (laughs) said, not going to lose.
2: We'll see. The show is broken up into three rounds. The player with the most points after round two goes on to play our bonus round and try and win today's prize. That is, unless the losing player can play spoiler to them in our final game and prevent them from winning that prize. We're going to jump right into round one and get the games rolling. Round one. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. And there you have our first game of the day, a game we like to call the Facts of Life. So the Facts of Life is a game where we have a crowdsourced opinion about a topic and the contestants have to guess which items are on that list. Three strikes and you're out. The winner of the game is granted the power, the power. which is an advantage that will come into play in round two. When heavy metal first emerged in the beginning of the 1970s, naysayers would have never suspected that the bands of those early years would one day be considered classic metal bands. Those bands are widely considered among the top heavy metal bands of all time, and with good reason. They are recognizable with their songs, and some are the greatest songs in metal history. This list of the top heavy metal bands of the era was curated by over 830,000 votes. The list rules are that these are heavy metal bands or solo artists only. Okay. There are dozens of subgenres of metal, and some on the list dip their toes in it a little bit in those other genres. But for the most parts, these are strictly heavy metal bands only that were popular between the late 60s and early 90s. So tell me, guys, who are the greatest heavy metal bands or solo artists, artists of the era? We flipped the coin backstage and Bill, you won the coin toss.
3: You're to go right, first. Well, let me start with an easy one. We'll say Metallica.
2: Metallica, number three on the list. We have a debut
0: album out on Megaforce Records. It's called Kill 'Em All. We're glad to kill all you tonight.
2: Darren?
1: Who wants this- uh, let's go with Black Sabbath.
2: Black Sabbath. The number one answer on the list. Very good. Of course it is. Formed in Birmingham, not Alabama, mind you, in uh, 1968. Bill, back to you.
3: Uh, Let's go with one of my personal favorites, Judas Priest.
2: The Priest is number four on the list. Very good. Formed in West Bromwich, England in
0: 1969. 69!
2: Darren, back to you. No strikes so far. You guys are doing great.
1: I am wearing the shirt tonight uh, from the fan club. Let's go with Iron Maiden.
0: Iron Maiden,
2: Maiden, number two on the list. Darren with number one and number two. One and two. No strikes. Points. Nope. But you do have the tiebreaker with the number one answer. (laughs) Sweet, Bill. So
3: those were the four that I think were kind of obvious. There's a lot of bands that some might consider heavy metal, but some might not consider heavy metal. Uh, 830,000
2: people considered everyone on this list heavy metal.
3: Well, why do I say Ozzy as a solo artist?
2: Ozzy Osbourne, number five on the list. I know there's going to be some controversy towards the end of this list, I think, but uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Okay, so what is it? Back to you, Darren.
1: Yeah, it's me. Uh we will definitely go with Southern California's own Slayer.
2: Slayer did not make the
1: list. Oh. 8 800,000 people are very wrong.
2: Very wrong. <laughs> yeah. A little side note,
3: uh, I was lucky enough to go to Slayer's very last concert. Yes. At at the Forum uh about a year and a half ago.
2: When I was when I was making this list, I was really shocked that Slayer didn't make the list. Um I almost wrote him in, but then that wouldn't be playing fair to the 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 spirit of the list. So okay. that's one on. strike for you, Darren.
3: All right, I'm going to go to somebody that I would consider heavy metal, but might be considered glam metal. So it's a little bit maybe outside the nine dots, but I'm going to go with Motley Crue.
1: The
2: Crue. I'm sorry, did not make the list either. Mm. That's more of the glam metal, I think.
3: All right. That hey. helps to that helps uh-huh. to settle the, the mm-hmm. rules, though. So, because if Motley Crue is not on the list, then that pretty much that genre is
2: not on the list. <laughs> Bill thinking, smart guy. Yes. Aaron,
1: to you. Okay. One uh, strike apiece. W- I will hopefully go with a little safer one they then and say uh, again, Huntington Beach, Southern California's own Megadeth.
2: Megadeth. Number nine on the list. Very good. So uh, one strike apiece. Back to you, Bill. Two of the big four. Why not
3: just try to round it out here since we know that Slayer's not on there and say Anthrax.
2: Anthrax did not make the survey at all. I'm sorry. I think they're more of the thrash metal, right? Would that be the correct? It, it would be, metal? but... Uh... This, is a, this is a terrible list.
3: Uh, <laughs> if, if, if it's a list without Slayer and Anthrax, it, yes. It's a terrible list. Because well, <laughs> I, I can see Motley Crue not being on that list because it, 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 that's a glam metal. It's, they're the best of the glam metal bands, that I can, and I can understand them not being on it because of that reason. But Slayer and Anthrax not being on a list of greatest metal bands is ridiculous.
2: So, Don't get upset just because you're losing, Bill. Darren, Damn. back to you.
1: So I'm going to guess... And again, I think we're going to, uh, to skirt that line. I'm going to say ACDC, even though I consider them hard rock.
2: ACDC mm. is incorrect as well.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Definitely hard rock, not metal, according to this list.
1: I would agree. but Well,
2: if you'd agree, why'd you say it?
1: I know it it, it was a good fringe guest though.
2: Yeah. I I bet a lot of people listening would say that as well. Uh
3: Well, if they were, if they were going to be on that list, they would probably be in the top. Uh, I mean, given the album sales, the fact that last time I saw them a few years ago, they sold out Dodger stadium. I know you saw them there in that Wrigley. Still, still selling tickets. So uh, still extremely popular.
2: Just to update the, uh, the scores, yeah, uh, you guys are down to your last strike. It is get an answer here, Bill, and or Darren wins. That's the stakes after talking so much smack.
3: I'm going to go with one a little outside the nine dots, but again, a personal favorite, and I, and I won't feel bad if I go down with this one because of Darren and I's personal relationship with this band, but I'm going to go with Motorhead.
2: I was waiting for one of you guys to say yes. motorhead motorhead is number eight.
1: Oh, see, I, 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 yet again object to the list because Lemmy himself says we are motorhead and we play rock and roll. That is not that, a heavy metal band.
3: That is yeah. accurate. Yes, in, my not
1: says, in my notes, it says,
2: in my notes, this is an English rock band formed in 1975. Yes. RIP Lemmy
3: side story about motorhead. Uh, Software year, uh, Darren and I were uh, science partners in biology class, and uh, we were tasked with uh, dissecting a fetal pig. And uh, to honor Lemmy, we actually named our fetal pig Lemmy, and then had to explain what Lemmy meant to Mr. Morgan, who was utterly confused, but allowed us to continue to name the, p- the fetal pig Lemmy. So, Darren
2: is do or die.
3: Get an answer it here? It is do
1: or die. Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, seven of them are down right now, and I'm going to go by your clue where you said from the mid-60s or late 60s to the early 90s, and even though, again, I'm going to consider them more hard rock, win or lose, I'm going to say Led Zeppelin.
2: Led Zeppelin is incorrect. Mm. That is your third strike, Darren. I'm sorry. It is. Uh, congratulations, Bill. You've won the first round, and that grants you the power. I have the power. <laughs> Thank you. So, You're number welcome. 10 on the list was called by Rolling Stone Album Guide, calling uh, this artist the world's most beloved heavy metal entertainer. Number 10 is Alice Cooper.
1: Mm-hmm. Again, not heavy metal.
3: Yeah, I never would have thought of him. No. Uh, also, I, I know great live band in the uh, in the seventies. By the time Darren and I saw him on Operation Rock and Roll in nineteen ninety, did not have his fastball anymore, and he's still touring. I saw him about uh, twenty uh, about uh, five years ago. Not great live. Not great. Sorry, but he was below Three
1: years ago, and I I had a I had a great time at the show. So yeah, yeah but not heavy enjoy
3: metal. It. Yeah.
2: Number nine you guys got was uh, Megadeth. Number eight, Motorhead. Number seven, a band nobody said. Number seven is Dio. Ronnie James Dio. So, f- former si- lead singer of Rainbow,
3: former lead singer of Black Sabbath after Ozzy. Then his solo band was Dio. An amazing band. And actually that was going to be my answer if I didn't say Motorhead was Dio.
2: So. Well, you won anyways. Dio was number seven. Yeah. Number six you guys did not say. Uh, number six is... Pantera.
3: Well, I'll give That's you that it. one. Fantastic band, awesome.
2: And number five was Ozzy Osbourne, four were Judas Priest, three Metallica, number two was Iron Maiden, and number one Darren got was Black Sabbath. So congratulations to uh, Bill, you have the power, and we move on to round two. Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. I like to ask a personal preference question to have the listeners get a better idea of who they're playing against at home and also ask our guests about their Gen X credentials. That is, what, besides being born when they were, makes them qualified to call themselves Generation X, truly? This episode's personal preface question is, who is your favorite metal band of the era? And give a brief statement why. P.S., if it's not Striper, I'll be disappointed. I don't think you're gonna get that answer from either of us. <laughs> so please welcome to the show, Darren.
1: Thank you. Uh, So my favorite metal band from the era uh, is still continuing to dominate uh, and sell out stadium after stadium. And that is definitely Iron Maiden. Um, I went so far two years ago to take a trip to see them in Scotland uh, and then came back and saw the same show again, not in Chicago, but in Pittsburgh. What qualifies me as is, as uh, is Gen X, uh, I will say I, I still am enthralled with uh, with many many aspects of the eighties, not only music. Uh, I, I still love One Hit Wonders, One Hit Wonders of the eighties. There will be no other other music like the the beauty of Dexy's Midnight Runners and and Bill. <laughs> I set you up for the joke, the Simpsons joke there. You haven't oh, heard the last we of them. We haven't heard of
3: the last of them. Yeah. You beat, you beat Dexie's Midnight Runners. You haven't heard the last of them.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, and through the beauty of the internet, I have found one of uh, the greatest uh, compilations of 80s game shows, and that's uh, buzzertv.com. And uh, Buzzertv is just the greatest thing. And yes, uh, I can see all my old episodes of Supermarket Sweep that Bill and I spent our entire senior year uh, watching from one to two on the Lifetime channel. And again, instead of doing homework and uh, studying and doing things that would uh, really prepare us for life, but I have no regrets.
2: Well, you Why guys turned you? out pretty pretty rough, so maybe you should have studied. Huh? Yeah,
1: maybe. <laughs> those no, those guys are both very successful. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it set you back
2: at all. Awesome, Darren. Thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bill, thanks for being on the show as well. Give us your favorite metal band and uh, what are your Gen X credentials? So I thought a lot about the metal band question. uh,
3: And I originally actually was going to answer the same as Darren, uh, because I love Iron Maiden too. Uh, And a lot of times when I'm judging bands these days, I'm really looking at it from a compilation standpoint. Uh, What is kind of their top, end of their catalog and Iron Maidens is really strong. Like you take the 20 best Maiden songs and you put it up against anybody and it's really, really good. But wanting a little bit of originality, I'm going to give a different answer here and I'm going to say number one on that previous list, Black Sabbath uh, for a couple of different reasons. One of which is uh, they were the first metal band. Uh, people will quibble and say Led Zeppelin, but Led Zeppelin was a rock band. Black Sabbath was a metal band and they invented heavy metal. Tony Iommi, Deezer Butler, Ozzy Osbourne, Bill Ward, unbelievable, all, so many great albums. Paranoid is the greatest second album in the history of bands, uh, the history of albums. In fact, uh, I did a 30 minute presentation in front of an audience of 200 people a couple of years ago about why Paranoid is the second greatest album of all time and tied it into my career, which happens to be I'm a, an attorney for a financial services uh, company. Uh, so uh, people were confused, but, but dazzled. And uh, the CEO of the company walked up to me afterwards and said, Bill, I have to agree, Paranoid was an unbelievable album. <laughs> so it, it, was, it was fantastic. So I'm going to have to say uh, Black Sabbath is my favorite. Uh, I also, uh, my cousin and I have kind of a, a side uh, Aussie cover band where we sing, I sing some Black Sabbath songs as part of that. Uh, so, uh, if there's ever such a thing as concerts anymore, you guys have to come out to California and check out flying high again, which is our Aussie cover band, uh, which, which, uh, features several Black Sabbath songs as part of the set list. Uh, As far as my Gen X credentials, uh, please go ahead, Jason. Well,
2: Bill, I got to just jump in for a second and say that is the spirit of the show, Bill. You are keeping Generation X alive, putting your career at the stake. Gen X credentials out there on display, saving Gen X. That is the the absolute spirit of what we're trying to do here. So you are saving Generation X. Well, I do my best. Uh, As
3: far as my Generation X credentials, uh, two things. Uh, One- I have scientifically proven that the worst year to be born was 1973. Uh, that is gonna have to be a topic for another show because what? that's probably a 30 minute diatribe altogether. <laughs> um, and then second, uh, I'm actually much closer in age. In fact, all of us are to season one of Dorothy Spornak, which was B. Arthur's character on the Golden Girls, than to season one of Al Bundy. And that's a horrifying fact but that's how legit my Generation X credentials are.
2: Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Round two. Round two today is a game called Eight Is Enough. In this game, I'll ask a total of eight questions, four to each contestant's. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one point for a partial correct answer, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players appeal to the judge and make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try to make their case through loud arguments. A bill who won round one gets the power, which is an ability to choose between two questions and get to know the category of one of the two questions. And that's where the advantage comes in. Players will take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but also steals the the power. You can pick between these two questions. Cujo, Christine, Pet Cemetery, and Other Bedtime Stories, which is a literature question. Or, Thank You for Your Princess is in Another Castle. Can, can I get some
3: additional info on what the princess category is about?
2: Nope. The power only gets you know between one of
3: those two questions. All right. Well, considering that literature is not my thing, in fact, I think I've written more books than I've read, uh, I will go with the princess
2: category princess is a video game question called thank you but your princess is in another castle mario is a popular mascot for the nintendo gaming company and has appeared in dozens of video games since he came on the scene in 1981 which video game did mario first appear donkey kong donkey kong is correct Nintendo holds the rights to two adult film porn parodies of Super Mario Brothers called Super Horneo Brothers. And of course the sequel, which is Super Horneo Brothers 2. Nintendo purchased the rights post-production in order to halt any and all distribution of the two films. The, Mar- the part of Mario in these movies is played by adult film veteran, Ron Jeremy. It's
0: me, Mario.
2: How <laughs> dare <laughs> they
3: be smirched. The good name of Mario.
1: <laughs> he already had the, the mustache though. let's face He did. It.
3: But he was way fatter than Mario.
1: Ooh, yes. There was not, no jumping barrels. Not, yes, not that not I know
2: barrels. who not that I know who Ron Jeremy is. Are you saying Ron <laughs> Jeremy is larger than Mario? Is that what you're saying? Uh yes by a, a, a factor of several. <laughs> All right. Uh so that leaves uh Cujo, Christine, Pet Cemetery, and other bedtime stories for you, Darren.
1: Great. As an Stephen- English major, I'm hoping the uh, literature question is right up my alley, but we'll see.
2: Well, I write these questions, so you can't hope for a whole lot okay. <laughs> regarding literature. So well, I'm doing my best here. Stephen King has published 62 novels and over 200 sort- short stories. He has sold more than 350 million copies of his, book- of his works worldwide. Many of his works have been adapted into films and that virtually every member of Gen X has seen at least one of. Which of the following titles is not an adapted work from Stephen King? Is it A, An American Werewolf in London, B, The Running Man, C, The Shawshank Redemption, or D, The Shining?
1: Bill, do you know this answer?
3: Uh, I've got a pretty good idea.
1: Okay. Uh, the answer is most definitely A, An American Werewolf in London. Uh, the Shank Redemption was actually Rita Hayworth and The Shank Redemption. I know that's a novello that was in different seasons. Uh, the Running Man was published under his uh, Richard Bachman. And then, uh, sorry, what was the fourth one? The Shining. The Shining, of course. The Shining is uh, the, the is, shinning. Uh, definitely his. He hated Kubrick's uh, version, but mm-hmm. the answer is most definitely A, An American Werewolf from London.
2: I mean, you would have got the two points with just saying A, but it also feels good to dunk all over Bill with uh, all the other explanations, I'm sure.
3: All
1: the other knowledge.
2: Actually, mm-hmm. I, I knew all
3: that stuff. So okay. uh, it, it, but that was definitely a, a very thorough answer and nice. very thorough to the, answer. my opponent, my opponent for that, where my answer
2: no. was two words. Okay. <laughs> well, A is correct. An American Wolf, yes. Wolf in London is not a work of Stephen King. Um, the fun fact here is uh, King published a handful of works under the pseudonym Richard Bachman. He picked up the name from a heart from the hard rock band Bachman Turner Overdrive, which he is also a fan. Richard Bachman was exposed as King's pseudonym by a persistent Washington, D.C. bookstore clerk. This led to a press release heralding Bachman's death, supposedly from cancer of the pseudonym. Oh, you done it now, Jordy Farrell, you monkhead. Okay, so Bill retains the power. I've got the power. And it's tied, the score is tied two to two. So, Bill, you get to choose between, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, which is a television question, or you can choose the most difficult no-hitter ever.
3: I'll go with sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name.
2: Your name. Isn't that what I said? Yeah, but you didn't put the emphasis on your like I oh, did. Oh, that's true. Okay. My bad. <laughs> everybody knows that the name of the bar in Cheers was called Cheers. But what was the name of the pub that Janet, Chrissy, and Jack would frequent in the TV show Three's Company? It was the, re- the Regal Beagle. The Regal Beagle is correct. In March 2001, a viewer claimed that a certain part of John Ritter's anatomy was briefly visible in an episode appropriately titled The Charming Stranger. This complaint was taken seriously enough that Nickelodeon edited the short scene soon thereafter. In response to the controversy, Ritter famously said, I requested that Nickelodeon air both versions, edited and unedited, because sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. R.I.P. John Ritter.
1: Yes. G- so yes. Un- yes, so underappreciated.
3: Best movie with John Ritter: Skin Deep. Question mark.
1: <laughs> so two overall. For Bill? Overall, Sling Blade.
3: Oh, Sling Blade was a great movie. <laughs> yes. Skin oh, Deep, dip, starring different.
1: him. Starring him, yes. Not problem That's, child. No. Most definitely not problem child.
2: Okay, well, Darren, this one's for you. This is a sports question called the most difficult no-hitter ever. <clears throat> On June 12, 1970, Pittsburgh Pirate pitcher Doc Ellis threw one his one and only no-hitter versus the San Diego Padres. The fact that no Padre could get a hit off him was not the amazing part of the nine-inning no-hitter. The amazing circumstances of no-hitter was, here's your multiple choice, A, he drank so much the night before that he forgot what day it was and he woke up not knowing that he had a pitch that day. B, he had problems with his vision and could not tell who he was throwing to and only if they were right handed or left handed batters. Or C, he was high on LSD and hallucinated that Richard Nixon was the home plate umpire and the batter was Jimi Hendrix, who was swinging a guitar at the ball. Or D, all of these things.
1: So I've actually seen an entire documentary on this. Um, He was absolutely, most definitely still under the effects of LSD. Uh, I don't believe that he was like had taken it that day. Um, I don't remember anything about him drinking necessarily. Um, but the way that you're wording is um, I can see how not knowing whether batters were left-handed or right-handed. But I don't know anything about the Richard Nixon and the Jimi Hendrix. I don't remember any part of that. Um, So this is where we can argue. I'm going to say the answer should be C that he was just on the coming down effects from, from LSD.
2: That is not a correct answer. Mm. So Bill, you have a chance to steal this. Well, there's a lot of arguments if you want.
3: It has to be a partially true answer because he definitely was on LSD. Uh, I don't remember the Richard Nixon or Jimi Hendrix component either, but because the LSD component is true, I'm gonna say D, all of the above.
2: D is the correct answer. All of those things were a problem vers- for uh, Doc Ellis on in the most difficult no-hitter ever. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, Doc Ellis was a flamboyant player in his day, but after baseball, he got sober and started a career as counseling, helping those who were afflicted by drugs
1: help kick their addictions. The next day, which I thought was the next day. She told me, you better get up. You got to go pitch. I said, pitch? I pitch tomorrow. Hell, what are you talking about? Because I had got up in the middle of the morning and took some more acid.
0: She grabbed the paper, brought me the sports page, and showed me. Boom. I said, oh, wow. What happened to yesterday?
2: (laughs) So five points for Bill. Two points for Darren. Uh, Anything can still happen, though. And Bill has the power. So, Bill, you can choose between. Eat my shorts, which is a TV question. Or who's Zooming who? I'm going to go with who's Zooming who. Who's Zooming who is a music question. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame welcomed their first members in 1986, but the first woman didn't get in until the following year. She was featured in the movie The Blues Brothers. And if you think, think about it, she was a great choice to be uh, the one they chose. Who was the first woman inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Aretha Franklin. <laughs> Aretha Franklin is correct. The First Lady of Soul was inducted before such notable artists as the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, and Judas Priest. Oh, a low blow,
3: Jason. Who, who's,
1: who's still not in, yeah.
3: Yeah. Iron Maiden, maybe this year.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold my breath.
3: I wouldn't either. I'm still waiting for L7 to be nominated, but it's probably not happening.
2: So that brings your total to seven, Bill. Uh, Darren, you got some uh, work ahead of you. You You got two points. You need to get this one to stay alive. Uh, Eat my shorts is the question. Eat my shorts, Darren. The Simpsons broke new ground in animation in a multitude of ways and is still on the air 30 years after its debut. What live action sketch comedy TV show did The Simpsons make their debut on?
1: Uh, I watched a handful of episodes of it, but I definitely don't remember a whole lot. But the answer is The Tracy Ullman Show.
2: Tracy Ullman Show is correct. Way to go. It was a pretty bad show other than The Simpsons. (laughs) I remember watching it only to see if The Simpsons were going to be on it. Uh, Ullman filed a lawsuit in 1992 claiming that her show was the source of The Simpsons' success. And therefore, she should receive a share of the show's profits. Looking for millions, she lost the suit and had to settle for $58,000 in royalties for the Simpsons' appearances on her show that lasted for only three and a half seasons. That brings the score to seven to four. You're still in the game, Darren. Great job. Okay. Bill, you still have the power. All right. You can choose between these two categories. Oh, Gilligan, we'll never get off this island which is a TV theme uh, show lyrics question, or Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. I'll go with Ray. If somebody asks you if you're a god, you say yes. This is a mo- movie question. In the 1984 film Ghostbusters, the guys are told to choose the form of the destroyer. And Ray thinks of Mr. Stay Puft. How much did the latex Stay Puff Marshmallow Man suit cost to produce? It's multiple choice. Is it A, $5,000? B, $666? C, $20,000? Or D, 69 bucks? Obviously, this is going to be a pure guess because
3: I truly have uh, no idea. Um I'm going to go with the specificity uh, of one of the non-round
2: numbers and say 69 bucks.
1: 69,
2: dude! I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Mm. Darren, you have a chance to steal and get right back into this game. A, $5,000. B, $666. C, $20,000. And uh, D was already guessed.
1: I'm going to go with answer A. $5,000
2: $5,000 is incorrect as well. $20,000 is the correct answer. No points for this question. The suit was made of two layers, an outer flamm- flammable layer and an inner fireproof layer. Adjusted for inflation, it would cost over $50,000 today. Dan Aykroyd conceived of Mr. Stay Puft for his uh, initial script of the movie. He created the character to show that, quote, It seems harmless and puffy and cute, but given the right circumstances, everything can be turned black and become evil. It's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Thank you, Mr. Aykroyd, for your service. No points for that. The the score is still seven to four. And uh, Darren, this is your question. The question is, oh, Gilligan, we'll never get off this island. Here we go. This is a little bit different kind of question we've had before in the show. Darren, here we go. Gilligan's Island came out during the golden age of TV theme songs, where everything you needed to know about the show was explained within the song. I will sing four bits of the theme song, quite poorly, mind you, and you'll have to tell me which bit is not correct from the original theme song of the show, okay? Keep in mind, there was an intro and outro to the theme song. Here's the question. I'm going to sing four bits, and you got to tell me okay. which one is wrong. Okay. okay? Just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. That was A. Then we have B. The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. And then C. With Gilligan the skipper too, a billionaire and his wife a movie star and the rest or is it d to make the others comfortable in a way that they do best so join us here each week my friend you're sure to get a smile from seven stranded castaways here on gilligan's isle which one is incorrect darren
1: uh the answer is most definitely d as in dog the and the rest got turned into the professor and Marianne. i don't know when but somewhere into uh into the the show who knows it might have been the black and white to color but yes d is most definitely uh the incorrect one and well sung i must say
2: Oh, thanks i i have a quibble oh uh, loud arguments
3: uh, an (laughs) argument a quibble or whatever in c you said that Thurston the Third was a
2: billionaire.
1: Yeah, no, he did not say a billionaire. millionaire or billionaire?
2: He said billionaire with a B. No, he, the song is millionaire. Yeah, you said billionaire. I didn't say billionaire. Roll the, roll the tape on that. You said billionaire. <laughs> a billionaire. A billionaire. A billionaire. I, I would not besmirch Thurston the III by changing the lyrics on him.
3: All right, because I don't know if there were really a whole lot of billionaires back uh, when they... Uh, when I don't they, think uh, I
2: said billionaire. I mean, you know, I've had a rough day. Right. Maybe I said wrong, but that it is really correct, does, Darren. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. Yes. Uh, much Darren
1: much got really the right answer D, no matter what. Much more of D was incorrect. Okay, That is
3: There It was the more correct answer.
2: Yes. The more correct answer.
1: <laughs>
2: okay, well, that's all the questions, but Darren, that's six points versus Bill 7. So that means... Bill wins round two.
3: You tried your best and you failed miserably.
1: The lesson is never try. Yeah.
2: Congratulations, Bill. You won the game. And now it's up to Darren to try and play spoiler to see if he can block you from winning the prize. In the game we call Dysfunctional Family Feud. Round three. This final round of the game, uh, the game's loser can play spoiler to the winner. I will ask the same five survey questions family feud style to each player in turn and they will need to respond with what they think is the most popular answers from the Gen X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook. The loser gets to answer first with the winner unable to hear responses and the winner will have to give the responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any answers. If they get more points, they win the game and go on to claim a chance at their prize. Okay, so that means Darren goes first because Bill won, and we're going to put Bill in the waiting room. Okay, Darren, you understand how to play,
1: right? I do. I will do my best to play spoiler. Okay, hopefully And so. save your budget.
2: Please do. I'm poor. Okay, here you go. Number one, your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. There was that one kid in your high school that copied a celebrity's fashion style. Who was that celebrity?
1: Don Johnson.
2: What concert festival do you wish you could have attended?
1: The original Woodstock.
2: What was the most memorable video on MTV?
1: Michael Jackson's Thriller. Still the best of all time.
2: Name a TV show that takes place in high school.
1: Saved by the Bell. Not the Miss Bliss era. Mr. Belding era, of course. Miss of course. Bliss was uh Miss Bliss was junior high.
2: How many movies did you rent each time you went to the video rental store? One. I think Bill's in trouble. Let's bring Bill back in from the waiting room. Okay. I think Bill's in big trouble, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we have Bill back. And I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Darren. You cannot duplicate his answers. If you get stuck, say pass. You can pass twice. Okay? You'll have a five count on each question. Uh, Bill, do your best. Well do. You're going to need it. Here we go. There was that one kid in your high school that copied a celebrity's fashion style. Who was that celebrity? James Hetfield. What concert festival do you wish you could have attended? Woodstock. Try again. Um, Lollapalooza. What was the most memorable video on MTV? Thriller. Try again. Girls, Girls, Girls. Name a TV show that takes place in high school. Saved by the Bell. Try again. Geeks. How many movies did you rent each time you went to the video rental store? One. Try again. Two.
1: Great minds think alike.
2: <laughs> Let me tally these scores.
1: Yeah, I'm sure I lost by a lot.
2: <laughs> Let's see how you did, Bill. I asked you, there was that one kid in high school that copied a celebrity's fashion style. Who was that celebrity? Bill, you said uh, James Hetfield. That did not make our survey. Uh. (laughs) Manual buzzer. Darren said Don Johnson, which was the number three answer worth 18 points. Okay. So 18 to nothing so far. Anything can still happen. No, it can't. I asked you, (laughs) what concert festival do you wish you could have attended? Bill, you said Lollapalooza, which was the number two answer, worth 22 points. Darren, you said Woodstock, which, which was the number three answer, worth 18 points, bringing the score 22 to 36. What was number one? I'm sorry. The number one answer for the uh, celebrity was Madonna, was the number one answer. And the number two question for the festival, the number one answer was Live
1: Aid, was the top answer. Okay. Live A. C Queen, I'll, I'll give you that answer. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I actually would have said the Us Festival, but I don't think that anybody else would have said that. But <laughs> the, metal, the metal day at the Us Festival would yes. have been amazing because it was yes. Van Halen, uh, Judas Priest, Ozzy, uh, Motley Crue, and Quiet Riot, I believe, was the five bands on the metal day of, uh, of the Us Festival. Several Sorry, people did just...
2: Several people did say that. Uh, Monsters of Rock made the survey, though. What was the most memorable video on MTV? Bill, you said Girls, 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 which did not make our survey as memorable as it was. Uh, Darren went with the safe choice of Thriller, which was the number one answer, with 42 points, bringing the score 78 to 22.
3: I would like the survey to show that I initially also answered Thriller. So
2: (laughs) Anything can still happen, though, Bill. Don't give up hope. Name a TV show that takes place in high school. You both said Saved by the Bell. Uh, But, uh, Bill, you had to change and say to Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks is not a Gen X property as it came out after the early 90s. And so uh, that did not make our survey, although it was about the 80s. It, I'm I'm going to quibble with that. Okay, uh, most of the stars of
3: that and uh, were are are certainly Gen X, and uh, obviously uh, it was produced by people that are part of Gen X. But I'm not. It doesn't really matter. Saved by the Bell is the correct answer.
2: Well, let's and go so, to let's yeah. go to the judges and find out. Judges, I'm sorry, they reject your quibble. Yeah. Jud <laughs> A-
3: Apatow would consider himself Gen X, and right. he was the guy behind. Pre-season, but that show so. is
2: not from the Gen X timeline. That's the, that's the greater point I think we're trying to make. But Saved by the Bell was the uh, number one answer and worth 29 points, bringing the score to 107 to 22. I asked you, how many movies did you rent each time you went to the video rental store? Darren, you said one, which was the number five answer, worth four points, bringing you a grand total of 111 points. That means you need to get a whole bunch of points for this last one. I can tell you, you did get the number one answer, which was two videos, but it was worth
0: 44
2: points, bringing you to our total of 66. Bill, you did not beat Darren's score. Darren, you played spoiler to Bill. So you're kind of both winners in a way.
3: <laughs> We're both winners by being able to be on the podcast. It's Absolutely. Really down to.
2: You're There's both your winners truth. for for helping save Generation X and doing your part. You can look yourself in the mirror proudly and say, "Hey, I'm doing my part." Well done, fellas.
1: And also saving the saving the Generation X budget. and so uh, you don't have to pay out anything this time, right?
2: Exactly right.
1: Even better. You saving can take the that money and, and saving the pocketbook.
3: You can take that money and invest in a in a Zoom Pro account or a new microphone.
2: Oh, that's Ain't that the truth? <laughs> However, let's see what some of the prizes you would have won. Okay, so some of the items you could have won was a Black Sabbath signature guitar pick, the with Ozzy with Ozzy's signature on it. Well, it's a print. Okay. <laughs> a totally rad '80s uh, t-shirt <laughs> that just says "Rad" on the front.
1: That's really, is that my, is pretty rad. This is my favorite I might item. Go on,
3: I might go on and buy the rad t-shirt anyways.
2: <laughs> Pizza Hut collector's Potsy Happy Days glass with a picture of Anson Williams mug on the cartoon style on the side of the glass.
1: That's outstanding.
2: Some sort of random drawing by some kids. So some kid wrote, drew all these superheroes and Star Wars characters on a piece of paper and put it up on eBay. That was I think We should
1: tell George Lucas about that and have that kid sued
2: <laughs> This is one of my favorites. Was the somebody put up for bid on eBay a uh, VHS cassette where they recorded Knight Rider, a couple episodes of Knight Rider, <laughs> and put it on uh, eBay? Here's the Darren, staring Darren garbage pelt kid. Just cover my you bases. Open that up?
1: I, yeah, I kind of remember there were a bunch of eyeballs all over him. Yeah, that's yeah. the one.
2: Staring Darren. Very creepy.
1: Darren. Ooh. Very creepy.
2: There's the Regal Beagle Extra Large Men's Green T-Shirt with the Regal Beagle uh, logo on it. Hey, I've awesome. got a question.
3: Uh, did Doc Ellis design that Garbage Pail Kid? Because <laughs> there was definitely
2: somebody that was on uh, some kind of controlled substance when they put that together.
1: Very good. Uh,
0: Spuds McKenzie.
2: Yeah, Spuds McKenzie handkerchief slash bandana. That was from a oh, previous episode. Dogs.
1: I don't have dogs right now, so that would have been a, a bonus.
2: There's it a, a good simpsons duff beer tank top
1: nobody needs to see uh, either either 47 year old man in a tank top <laughs> nope
2: here's another spuds mckenzie bandana just in case you couldn't choose between the okay. two and of course the doc ellis baseball card from 1977 okay uh with,
1: with the yankees though
2: with the yankees so i'd like to thank bill and darren for being on the show This is the part of the show where we give a little bit of shout outs. Bill, you got anyone you want to shout out to? Uh, I would uh, like to shout out uh, to uh, the Edison high school class
3: of 1991. All three of us are members of that class. Uh, We are coming up uh, very quickly on the 30th anniversary of our graduation from high school. Uh, I am very hopeful that sometime this fall, we are going to be able to have our 30th reunion uh, which I'm hoping both of you are, are going to be attending. But shout out to Edison High School, class of 91. Uh, my family, they don't, they're not going to listen to this anyway. So uh, we'll just
2: stick with that. Hear, here. They're making the right choice. Darren?
1: Uh, absolutely. Thank you for, uh, for putting this together. It was, uh, it was a blast. Um, I, I'm not going to say that I'm unhappy playing spoiler tonight but uh, I I had already had the line ready. If it was just a landslide on one side, I was truly going to feel like Herbert Stemple to Charles Van Doren in there and a little quiz show reference. Thank you. Uh, John Turturro. Uh, Definitely want to thank my wife, Melanie, for giving uh, up the office for the evening. And uh, I did, I had a blast. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can have a little rematch if uh, the fans are interested. And and maybe get a winner. I, maybe maybe we can vote on that uh, heavy metal list because uh, the Slayer <laughs> thing is a crime. We'll just say that.
3: <laughs> I Travis knew I was The Travis Sham mockery is what it is.
2: <laughs> I I knew I was setting myself up for some mockery when uh, I put that list together because uh, knowing who you guys are, this is much more in your wheelhouse than mine. Anyways, yes. uh, so thanks thanks again, Darren. Really appreciate you being on the show.
1: It was a blast. Thanks. Thanks, Abe. You got it.
2: Thank you so much for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcast and enjoyment. And it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our little show. Thank you so much. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or YouTube for more Gen X content. If you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X contributions there go directly towards keeping the show going offering better prizes for the contestants and all-around improvement on the show at our patreon site you will find special offers for becoming a contributor to the show including exclusive content bonus episodes and so much more before we go i'd like to leave you with the cliffhanger question of the episode if you know the answer please reach out to me on our facebook group page or you can email me directly at who will save at gmail.com also if you have any feedback for the show i would i would love to hear it if you'd like to submit a trivia question or segment idea you can also reach out to me on that email address as well if we use your question on the show we'll be sure to give you a shout out and now this episode's cliffhanger question is if you drive your delorean to o'reilly auto parts and ask for part number one two one g what item comes up and what is the significance of that part number you or you can go to o'reilly auto parts website and search for that part number one two one g and try to order it online as well if it's not out of stock if you know the answer please reach out on our facebook group Correct answers for the cliffhanger question will go into a drawing for an upcoming prize at a later date. Last episode's cliffhanger question has been posted on our Facebook group page, so you can find out all the details there. So that's it for the episode, everyone. Thanks again for checking out the show. Uh, We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes, where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X?
1: Later. Simpson, Homer Simpson, he's the greatest guy in history. From the town of Springfield,
0: he's about to hit a chestnut tree.